Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. I'm going to be honest, I think it probably should have been done weeks ago. I think they've sat on their hands, Villa. It was only ever going one one way. I think you could tell early days this season that Steven Gerrard was not going to get it right. I don't think we'll see him play for Manchester United ever again. I mean, it's only just over a year ago that he returned to the club with massive jubilation. I think the fact that United fans now, to a man, don't really care, that's probably the last we'll see of Ronaldo, sums up his behaviour over the last year. And Scott's a serial, serial winner and Spurs are not serial winners. Yes, they've got some players in the squad who have been, but trying to change that around is, is not going to be quick. And I just wonder, is he here for the three, four years? It's a total mess, to be honest. If I was a Wolves fan, I'd be absolutely livid. Diego Costa, it's quite sad, really. He's basically playing this pantomime role for Wolves where, you know, Wolves are happy to sort of tweet out the mischief he's getting to during games. But if you actually watch him sort of lumbering around the pitch, it's pretty sad to see that he just can't see do the things that he used to be able to do in his career other than just elbow people in the guts. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Dan Bardell and this is the Weekend Preview. I'm joined as ever by George Ellick, Bet365, Steve Freeth and the Athletic's Tim Spears. Coming up today, we're going to look ahead to Liverpool's visit to Nottingham Forest, Manchester City looking to respond to their first defeat of the season at home to Brighton, plus Chelsea take on Manchester United and down at the bottom, Wolves v Leicester in the battle to survive. But before all that, we've got to talk about the big story of the last 24 hours as on Thursday night, Aston Villa sacked their manager Steven Gerrard after a 3-0 defeat to Fulham at Craven Cottage. Breaking news from the Premier League. Steven Gerrard is no longer the head coach at Aston Villa. The club themselves have put a statement... So, Tim, we were both there last night watching the game. You in the press box, me in the away end, absolutely ripping my hair out. Another totally abject performance from Aston Villa, and it turned out it was Steven Gerrard's last game in charge at the club. Yeah, it felt completely inevitable with the way the game unravelled. I mean, Villa could legitimately have been four or five down by half-time. Fulham were a class apart... Villa were just making mistakes after mistake. I've seen them. I've seen them a few times this season. I, I, I don't know what their plan has been to score goals. I didn't know what their plan was last night. You could you could tell the players just their hearts just weren't in it as much as the opposition. And the the anti Gerrard chance in the away ends, the way that they fell apart, you know, with a red card, a penalty, an own goal. It, it was it was it was utterly calamitous. And then um, no surprise to see him go. You know, he came in for his for a very 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 brief press conference. Press officer tried to cut it short at three minutes. Which which would have been, I think, a record that, that, that I've seen. You could tell, you know, they were trying to do something quickly, put yeah. it that way. Um, and Gerard basically couldn't really put up a, a defence, to be honest. And and um, and you knew it wouldn't be far away, you know. Dan, I, I, I assume you think, given what you've seen and how things have unravelled in the last few weeks that that this isn't anything this isn't anything but the right decision I'm going to be honest I think it probably should have been done weeks ago I think they've sat on their hands Villa it was only ever going one one way I think you could tell early days this season that Steven Gerrard was not going to get it right at Aston Villa the games they've won they've not been great in two wins in 11 is pretty poor they've played three of the newly promoted sides now and and taken one point from those games and you, you saying how bad they were last night that's probably been normal throughout the season so I was in that away end last night and it, I don't think it was even like hostile or, or out of order I think it felt like apathy I just, everyone was just stood there completely abject because 
they just know they know what's coming and they've known what's been coming for, for weeks and as I say I think Villa have sat on their hands for too long and that they should have got rid of him earlier no no one will mention this but I will just say a quick word for Fulham who who, who yes sort of Villa sort of rolled over and said tickle my belly but they were they were brilliant actually mm. William rolled roll back the years didn't they absolutely all of them Mitrovic obviously a threat Palini is a fantastic DM mm. Um, they've um, they've got a really really good team. I don't think you'll see a more dominant performance by by a non big six team this season, or you'll have to go a long way to anyway. Everything sort of clicked for them. And um, if they, uh, I've written a piece this morning, basically saying, look, if, if Villa are the standard for a bottom three team, then Fulham will be absolutely nowhere near that relegation battle this season if they if they play like that. I completely agree with you, Steve. What are the odds saying? Yeah, am I on so, there? I think there's something in the in in the water in the West Midlands with with, with managers and sackings and obviously Wolves looking Albion terrible as well. Yes, uh, we've seen some shrewd money from the Sutton Coalfield area on a certain Dan Bardell. I mean, normally we put in you know Anton Deck for Newcastle. You know, people basically who have got no chance of getting the job, but a little bit fun. You know, Nigel Kennedy, Dan Bardell, Pochettino. You know, people who haven't got a chance of getting the job. Of course, there have been links with you know with Poch over over the last week or so, and yeah actually heads the market. I know your owners are extremely ambitious and you know, for, for people like Pochettino, um, Thomas Tuchel, Unai Emery, to be linked with clubs, you know, a club like Villa, who and a massive club I know, but you know, are just outside the bottom three. It's It just goes to show the ambition of the football club. So Poch heads the way currently at 130. Thomas Frank at, at, at four to one has already attracted a bit of interest. Sean Dyche, a managerial market, wouldn't be a managerial market without Sean Dyche and he's the new Alan Kirbishley. So he's in at fours. Tuchel at five. And Michael Beale, which would seem utterly bizarre. I'm sure George will have his say on Michael Beale in a moment, but it will be utterly bizarre for the words that he said about staying at QPR for him then to rock up at Aston Villa, of course. And what a kick in the teeth that will be for Stephen Gerrard. Beale turning up as well. And then we've got Emery at eight, Bielsa at 16 with Rafa Benitez. So it's... Uh, it's it's been a busy few hours trying to put this together. Uh, I really haven't got a clue. I know most people will say, "Well, there's a surprise," but uh, it's a wide it's a wide open market currently with Potch leading the way. I got the text at five a.m. this morning from Steve asking asking me asking me who I thought who I thought was going to get it. And uh, to be honest, I, I don't know if they don't at least try for Pochettino and Tuchel. I'd be disappointed. You've got to, you've got to try. I mean, Everton managed to get Ancelotti, George's favourite manager, back back in the day. You know, you've got to try try and get these people. But Greg Evans is reporting that that Thomas Frank. Is the the preferred candidate at the moment, George? What would you make of that? I think it would be a very you know smart appointment. To be honest, um, he's someone who has uh, a long history now at Brentford of of getting a team performing very well, of, of improving players, of coming in and, and getting a cohesive unit. Um, the football isn't necessarily the most scintillating. You know, I, th- I think he's a pretty pragmatic manager, um, which is what Brentford needed after years of flashier managers that, that never quite got over the line. Um, Frank is someone who is he's a pretty intense guy. His interviews are, as, as everyone will know, um, always interesting. And, and, you know, he's someone who has, has a lot of energy, but his teams have always been very good. You know, it, it's rare to see a, a Brentford side at this stage, even when they're playing badly, they, they never really phone it in like you saw Villa do last night. Whether or not Villa would be able to get him out of Brentford is a, is another question. You know, Matthew Benham is, is very good at ensuring that he gets value for his assets. So, I mean, unless there's a clause that I don't know about, I think it would probably cost a fair few quid to get him out in a similar way that it did for Chelsea to get Potter out. But, you know, he would be a decent appointment, I think, with Beal. As Steve said, you know, he was clearly, um, he clearly had the Wolves job if he wanted it and decided to turn it down to stay at QPR. He's only managed 15 games at QPR. He came out afterwards and gave a very impassioned interview, um, which the QPR fans really loved on, you know, the vision for the club and why he wanted to stay and why it was the best thing for him and how he wanted, you know, his, his ambitions wanted to be um, fulfilled with QPR. So if he would were to now turn around and take the Villa job, especially after it was his mate, Stephen Gerrard, who's been sacked, you know, the, the, the manager who he was assistant to at Rangers and Villa, I think there would be some serious question marks about his integrity <laughs> that might uh, not be great for him uh, long term when he's looking for another job post Villa. So I'd be surprised if Bill took the job. I can, you know, I can see why the links are there. I, I think yesterday, this time yesterday, he was 25 to 1 or 20 to 1 for the job. And, and you know, so all the money's been for him. But I think Frank would be a good appointment. You know, with Tuchel and with, with Pochettino, it's kind of a similar thing to the to the Ancelotti and Everton argument in my mind where there's no denying I mean in my head anyway with Pochettino and Tuchel you've got two absolutely elite managers but there's got to be an element of horses for courses here like are they the, are they the man that you want to come in now to steady a ship and ensure you don't get relegated that is not a job that they have done recently it's not the job that they're known for I don't think it's as simple as going out and getting a manager who 
has been managing world-class players for the best part of a decade in European competitions and towards the top end of domestic leagues, when actually what you need now is somebody to come in and galvanise and lift a group of players who are massively underperforming. So obviously long-term, there would be incredible appointments. But I do wonder if you just need to be a little bit, you know, Villa are obviously so ambitious under these owners, uh, but there needs to be a bit of pragmatism here as to who the, the man should be for the next, between now and, and May. I don't think they need a, a like a classic sort of Allardyce or a Dice just no. to bring in and, and fight to keep them up because they're so much better than that. They just need someone to get them playing. It's similar to Wolves, really, in my opinion. They just, they, you know, they, they should be they should be mid table. They just need someone to get them playing, and that that's a high quality coach, not necessarily sort of a relegation battle specialist, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. But I'm not advocating Big Sam. Just to say, no, not yeah. yet. Oh. get him in, get him <laughs> in, Sam a... Alex, get him in, Dudley's finest. All, all Steve's mates, aren't they? The, the relegation specialists, the, the people that will get you the lay. They're all they're all mates with Steve. But I just want to ask you about Christian Perslow. Is 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 the spotlight very much on him now? Because it seemed to be a, a a bit of a project for him and getting Gerard in. I think he will come under pressure now. I think he has not managed the last twelve months brilliantly. It feels like they club the club had built up a lot of goodwill they were doing a lot of things right and it felt like Dean Smith in the middle of that he obviously resonated with the fans and it felt like he he felt very approachable and Villa fans were connected to him since Gerrard's come in I think the club have lost some of that some of that connection and suddenly you know with price hikes and and whatnot the the fans I know feel very disconnected from the club and and Perslow's part of that unfortunately so he did have credit in the bank because he's he's done an awful lot of good for Aston Villa I, I, I will say that but he's going to find himself under pressure now because they've quite simply they've got that appointment wrong and it's something that hasn't worked and it's never really looked like working for 12 months and like I said they should have sacked him weeks ago Can I just throw one name yep. into the mix and I'd be intrigued to know your thoughts Marcelo Bielsa uh, Is he keen to get back in? Surely, I mean, in terms of like a short term, let's galvanise the club and get us back on an upward curve. Like, is well, there Leeds, better Leeds than... fans were chanting for him last night again, I weren't know. they? They, they can't let go. They can't let go, can no, they? I don't, blame, I don't blame him. I feel like, you know, when certain managers work at certain clubs, I don't think Bielsa would work at Villa. I, I just, I don't know why I feel that. I've got nothing to, to base that on. He could all, move in with you, Dan, couldn't he? He could walk to Bodyball Heath with you <laughs> and he'd track to... his Villa tracksuit and like, a, welcome to... you know, like a, yeah, an Aldi bag and something like that. There was that. definitely no, there, uh, yeah. there was no evidence last night that the Villa players are fit enough to, to do what he wants them to do, though. Well, that, that, so. that, might, that might be a problem. <laughs> that might be a problem as well, George. But please, please, let's move away from the soap opera that is Aston Villa now and let's talk about the weekend's Premier League action let's start with Chelsea against Manchester United which is Saturday tea time not often we have a big game like this on Saturday tea time Tim Chelsea's four game winning run in the Premier League under Graham Potter ended at Brentford on Wednesday night a nil-nil draw but it was a fifth clean sheet in a row and Kepper is on amazing form yeah he is and they're sort of they're starting to, to set a few um, set a few standards here and put a few foundations in place onto Potter which which is which is great to see he's, he's very unassumingly come in and made them hard to beat which is which is not an easy thing to do really you know despite the talents they've got it's impressive I like the way he's bringing youth into the team it's a long-term approach but at the moment with short-term benefits um, they're playing some decent football like you say Kepper's in amazing form and it's pretty positive at the moment. You know, they're, they're sort of they're sort of creeping up the table. Can overtake Spurs potentially soon if they win the game in hand. And um, like I said, it's slightly going under the radar, but I think he's made a really, really positive start, Potter. Yes, yeah, Steve, he's making an unbelievable amount of changes. I mean, we had Broya, Gallagher, Shalaba all started on, on Wednesday night. Chukwemeka came off the bench and had, had his longest stint so far in a game in, in a Chelsea shirt. But what Potter's doing, and I almost feel like it's quite a positive thing, he's harvesting a team spirit by keeping everyone involved. Everyone's playing everyone. Everyone's pushing for that start, that starting place as well in the, in the big games. I mean, he'll he'll go with what I, I would think would be his strongest team against Manchester United this weekend. But he has managed the squad very well, and it is a big squad. And the, I think the big squad's been needed, Dan, because injuries to key players. Reese James for recently, uh, and Golo Kante, of course, is is key for them. He's been out there, and I suppose unlike Tuchel, he's kind of trusted the younger players. I, I, you know, I've been reading about Trevor uh, Chalaber being being very good in during this clean sheet run as well. So he's going to get more minutes, but I suppose with Fafana being out and Silva's minutes being managed because he's, he's he's still a quality player, but of age as well. So yeah, and he's uh, and and, and Kepa, who's top of the goals prevented charts as well in the Premier League, has been outstanding, hasn't he? And he's 
I think 4.3 goals. Uh, he's, he's top of the list. We saw him at Villa Park have an outstanding game, didn't we? At Brentford, he made, I think, five saves as well. Ivan Tony had a few chances early on and they are, what, they're four to five to finish it uh, in the top four. So not absolute certainties by any stretch of the imagination, but I suspect we'll know a, a little bit more after this game. It's, it's a game, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's a mouthwatering tie, actually, George. If you, you know, Chelsea and Manchester United both trending in the right direction at the moment, both playing good football and both, obviously, with, with, with new managers in this season. But it's an exciting time. It's one I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the best game of the weekend. It's interesting you say they're both trending upwards, and they are. And, and you know, I, I've, I've made it pretty clear on this podcast my thoughts on Graham Potter, and I'm delighted to see him doing so well for Chelsea. But I would, I would say, despite the the results definitely being good for both sides recently, I would argue that the performances of Manchester United, in particular the Spurs game, have been more impressive maybe than the performances um, that we've seen from Chelsea. The performance against Villa <laughs> has aged pretty badly in the last 24 hours where um, even though Chelsea won the game 2-0, um, in my mind Villa were, were clearly the better team on the day and it was two calamitous errors that, that gifted Chelsea two goals with, with Mings's header back into Mount's path and then Martinez taking a, a step um, very much the wrong way before Mount hit a free kick straight into the middle of the goal so a bit of trouble you know and then against Brentford again in midweek Brentford with a better side again so yes it's four points when playing badly which some people would say is a sign of a good team I would also look back to the Palace game that they won 2-1 and again there was a late Conor Gallagher goal in the game where they were probably second best where they came out on top in my mind even though the results have been good under Graham Potter I would be a little bit cautious about thinking um, this is now you know they're, they're playing sailing I think the performances will have to improve as they have done at United you know the, the performance against Spurs in midweek um, was far better than the performance when they beat Arsenal 3-1 uh, in terms of just controlling the game being the better side throughout Hugo Lloris kept the score at 2-0 uh, another keeper on another day and, and they would have absolutely battered them so that was a bit of a we've had a lot of false dawns at Manchester United since Alex Ferguson left but that midweek performance against Spurs was the first sign to me of what Eric Tenog's Manchester United could be and could look like and obviously the the symbolic moment at the end of CR7 marching out despite the team being 2-0 up I think really signifies the start of something new at Old Trafford yeah I mean, you were at, you were at the game weren't you Tim you, you were there on, on 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 the night watching Manchester well watching Tottenham but obviously watching Manchester United as well probably their best performance and best game at Old Trafford. For, I actually don't know when, when they would have played, but better than that, it, would, it was such a good performance. And even Rashford up top, you know, he missed a lot of chances, but he was bright and he was energetic. And it, it, was, it was a real energetic performance from Manchester United, playing good football, good temper, crowd behind them. They made so much happen. It was such a brilliant display. Yeah, I, th- I think you've, sum- you've summed it up perfectly there. I mean, you look at the 11 they put out, and there have been problems with, with quite a few players in that team in, ter- in terms of form, consistency, even just quality in general, really, and how they gel together. But they, they really played like a team. You know, that, 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 that's, that's the way to beat Spurs with the press. They're not comfortable with it, and, and they weren't comfortable. I mean, they're absolutely atrocious, to be honest, on Wednesday. But um, United um, took full advantage uh, I thought Fernandez was excellent. Anthony was really good. He had the beating of Perisic. Rashford, as you say, a live wire up front, and the whole place felt different. Uh, I've not, I've not. It's not felt like that to me for for a few years, really. You can feel that they're with Ten Hag, that they agree with what he's trying to do, that they're willing to back him. It felt like a difficult place to go and play again, which again, you've not really said that for a few years. And it, 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 I think George used the word symbolic, and it really is with with Ronaldo leaving before full time. I wish I had left with him to be honest I didn't get home to <laughs> half three um, it would have been nice nice to beat the um, to beat the motorway closures but um, yeah I, I, th- th- you can't get much more stark you know visually than that than, than him leaving before full time while his teammates are giving everything on the pitch and he's giving nothing and leaving which to be honest I thought was absolutely disgusting his reputation is rapidly going downhill with me and it really takes the shine off, off what's been such an amazing career but you know when he's doing things like this it's just pathetic behaviour like I can if Cristiano Ronaldo walked off in that manner at the end of the City game it would have been petulant but it almost would have been understandable because you could see why him sitting on the bench watching a United team being dismantled and the manager not calling on him would frustrate you even if it is the the a behaviour of a, of a child but to do that in a game where it is as we've said the best performance at Old Trafford for so long it just shows the measure of the man that he is incapable of watching a team his team a team that he supposedly cares so much about playing well, he's incapable of, of, of enjoying that and felt the need to A, leave and B, make the whole show about him. Uh, I don't think we'll see him play for Manchester United ever again. And I think 
the fact that United fans, I mean, it's only just over a year ago that he returned to the club. A massive jubilation. I think the fact that United fans now, to a man, don't really care. That's probably the last we'll see of Ronaldo sums up his behaviour over the last year. Yeah, I think it was a final nail, George. I, I, I agree with that. And I was surprised he was still there after the summer. I wouldn't have been surprised if the Glazers probably thought we'll keep him there as a marketing tool. I know it's in a cliche, but um, I, I definitely think that that could have been the case. No one really cares now if you're a Manchester United fan of him walking off. It's not a story. He's backtracked and apologised, hasn't he, Ronaldo, I think, or, or sent some out on, on social media. United were brilliant. I watched that game. Constant pressure on the ball, winning winning all the duels that needed to be. And yeah, I, I was massively impressed. We, we, we do have a market on where Manchester United will finish this season. So again, I'll ask the question to you three guys. In what position were the, will the Red Devils end the season? Dan? I'll plump for f- Fourth at the moment. Fourth. Okay, 100 to 30. That's, uh, yeah, Georgie. It's important not to get carried away by one performance. Yeah, but I'd probably say fourth as well. I think Spurs need to improve soon. Tim? I'm not getting carried away like George is. Um, um, because I j- just we'll talk about Spurs later, but but it was you know Jack, my Spurs colleague, said it was their worst performance under Conte. Uh, you've got to take that into account as well. Um, it's it's unbelievably competitive this top six. It's extremely hard to call. It's great. Yeah, we're gonna have a World Cup in the middle of it as well, but you know to cause to cause a few more problems. But um, I, I think they'll finish sixth. Okay, yeah, and I hope that's... people don't listen back to the early podcasts to the season where we, we, we were saying they might not finish in the top half. <laughs> well, I think I was saying it might be in the relegation zone I think in the first couple of podcasts <laughs> we did but it's a good job that not all the liabilities we build up but that's 7-2 or two, Tim to finish uh, in, in six but what I would say if you look at the fixtures compared to these two sides Chelsea have played one of the top eight and Manchester United played Arsenal Spurs, Liverpool and Newcastle admittedly all at home and hammered at City as well so they've had some fairly tough fixtures compared to the rest of the uh, of the challenges for the top four Now are they going to get a result this weekend I actually think they're going to go to Stamford Bridge and win That that's my shout Steve I agree with you I think they win oh, George I think a draw might be the most likely result um, I think it'll be pretty tight. I think often we can get, you know, we can forget that, especially amongst the, the big six, home advantage is generally pretty important. And I think that might be the case again here. It's tough to go to Chelsea and, and, and come away with three points. Tim, are you going to offer some variation and call a Chelsea well, win? I'd, so we've, I'd, we've called I'd agree everything. With what, I'd agree with what George says about home advantage and, and, and say that Chelsea will win because of that. There we go. Proper London boy now, Tim, calling the London, <laughs> London boys to, <laughs> yeah. to win. Let's move on now to Manchester City against Brighton, which is Saturday at three o'clock. And George, Manchester City in the unique position, a position they don't find themselves in very often, of having to bounce back from a defeat. Yeah, it's pretty rare. They, uh, off the back of the the Liverpool game where just before in the show, I said I thought they might go the whole season unbeaten. Um, shows that often you can get a bit carried away. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, for City, it'll be frustrating for them that they um, drop points in the title race um, because we know that whenever Manchester City are playing in the Premier League they are in the title race and, and the leader of that they're still what are they Steve still three on to win the to win the league you know it, it, it doesn't I think public perception about Arsenal and, and City and the you know the, the, the four point gap is very different to how the betting markets are seeing it where this is still very much City's uh, to lose and you know, I, I see no reason why the, the defeat against Liverpool will be the beginning of a, of a difficult run um, although I, I should mention I, I do think this is going to be a really tough game um, even though Brighton haven't scored in three games that does not really the full story I think Deserby has come in and made them a really good attacking unit just the fact they can't stick the ball in the back of the net it's same old Brighton but um, they look one of the more exciting teams to watch and I think it's only a matter of time before Brighton and Deserby start um, putting it away but this is obviously going to be a, a tricky game for that to, to begin Tim you'd be upset if you were a Brighton fan because they, they had it felt like they just solved the problem of putting the ball in the back of the net under Potter they were playing some excellent stuff under him and putting the ball in the back of the net now they've kind of reverted back to that Brighton of the last few years as George mentions and Deserbe struggling to get his, his forward players firing in front of goal yeah but I, I guess it was inevitable that they'd sort of you know revert to type because they haven't they haven't got goal scorers in their, in their squad really consistently so, certainly proven at this top level I don't think Welbeck scored this season and that's the issue they need to resolve in, in January but I, you know I did read some quotes yesterday from Deserbe saying it's not necessarily something that we'll be able to do in January and obviously you know we know how tough a market that is stark contrast to the Sassuolo where I think they scored 
approaching 200 in, in around 100 or so games under him um, almost, almost two a game I think it was so you'd be a bit con- you'd be a bit concerned for Brighton on that uh, on that regard it's certainly not getting into good areas having shots decent XG that's not an issue it's putting the ball in the back of the net and you know we, we've, we've been we've been saying that mostly for the past few years so um, it's it's a conundrum that he's now got to solve and let's hope for his sake he doesn't take as long as, as Potter did to, to do that It's surprising that, um, that Undav hasn't had more of an opportunity who seems to have been the, the one that Brighton fans um, you know he had a great record out on loan last season he's a, a genuine goal scorer and finisher you'd think fairly soon I mean I'm a big fan of Danny Welbeck and I think the way that he plays especially for the likes of, of Pascal Gross and, uh, and and Trossard is so important because he runs the channel so well he's always getting in behind he can hold the ball up he's a clever player we know he's not clinical but I do wonder if Undav will get a, a chance fairly soon to show that if they can keep creating the chances he could be the person who can, who can put it away Coming up we're going to get into Spurs v Newcastle as well as Liverpool's visit to the city ground Hello, it's Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen here, otherwise known as The Offside Rule. We have a very special show. It's been 10 years of The Offside Rule. If you've been enjoying it over the last decade, you can get some extra insight. Yes, we have a really good chat about how the industry has changed in the 10 years and chat as well about some of the highs of recording a podcast as an only female trio in the football world and some of the lows as well. So join us for fun. We're also joined by Harriet Drudge and Laura Williamson from The Athletic. So check it out. That's The Offside Rule. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. Big game in the 80s, this one, Nottingham Forest against Liverpool, which is the Saturday 12.30 kickoff. Steve, Liverpool kept back-to-back clean sheets for the first time this season in wins against Manchester City and West Ham and for only the second time in the Premier League back-to-back wins yeah had to thank Alisson a little bit of course with that, with oh, that penalty save I mean what a great record he has at saving penalties 7 out of the 13 in the Premier League he's saved he can also score goals and boy I know he can score goals but yeah fantastic for, for Liverpool to be back in the I'd say back in the top four race 6 points 2-5 to five now to finish in the top four and as we've previously touched upon you look at the Arsenal you wouldn't be surprised if they ran out of gas just a little bit and you get a bit of a wobble from from Spurs and Chelsea and it all of a sudden it, it looks it looks a little bit rosier now in the Liverpool garden as it does for for Manchester United it's just their home record their home record is just absolutely incredible really I mean they're two to one to be unbeaten yet again at Anfield and they just don't lose games there do they really I mean there was that six, those six games during lockdown that they lost on the trot with no crowd being there but you take that out of the equation you go back to 2017 for the last time they lost at Anfield in a Premier League game and, that, and that's an amazing record to, to keep and they'll uh, even though they're away from home in this game they'll fancy their chances very much so of another three points and, and Nunez is such a he's a strange player isn't he you listen to non-Liverpool fans he's the worst signing of all time but you listen you, you listen to Liverpool fans who listen we're all tribal aren't we of, of our own team and they certainly stick up for their players and managers and uh, and, and that, that cameo performance he put on against Manchester 
Manchester City was was quite incredible for so many different things. I know we haven't got time to go through it all, but and then we saw him in midweek score a great header. So yeah, it's looking okay for Liverpool. Nearly scored two of the best like left foot strikes I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. He looks. I think he's he's incredibly raw, but like. He's got all the attributes to be an unbelievable striker. He's a lot in his toolbox, and if Jurgen Klopp can un- unlock a lot of that stuff, Tim, he's going to be a hell of a hell of a player. I thought he was brilliant the, the other night. I thought he led the line really. A proper old school centre forwards header that was. That's what we like to see, Tim. He's definitely a throwback. You know, obviously that that, that red card on three game suspension that was it was far from ideal. You know, I think he started really well in the Community Shield. You just want to keep playing and keep your confidence up. So I think I think he's pr- he's probably taken a while to recover from that really and get into the rhythm of this Liverpool team. The big thing for Liverpool is is the defence really we know they'll always score the talent they've got I know they've got a couple of injuries at the moment but it's the defence which has been the issue they've kept it really tight in the last week I think Joe Gomez has, has, has stepped things up a little bit as has Trent Alexander-Arnold who'd been making a few mistakes in defence I think he's responded really well to what was you know a bit of a deluge of criticism of him around the England issue and that's been the key for Liverpool solid defence you know like I said they'll always nick a goal so they they look pretty good I'm interested in fact what, what you guys think in terms of who drops out the top four if it is Man United who's squeeze into fourth who, who are the one Spurs. or two that, that we think must out I'd have to say the Spurs same at the moment it changes it changes week, week to week it's so impossible it does, to doesn't call it? it's, it's so impossible to call I think but Timmy you I mean you know with, with Spurs um, you know you said that it was their worst performance of the season and I, and I agree with that but I do and Spurs fans have said the same all season it's felt like it was coming hasn't it like it's felt like into, unless something improved at Tottenham they were going to drop points because the performances haven't been as good or as dominant as maybe some of the results suggest. So in my mind, it has to be Spurs who finish outside because they're the only team so far this season who haven't shown us really a glimpse of, of how good they can be, in my mind. And maybe that's a positive because if they do improve, they can be the kind of team that we saw for the back end of last season. But um, right now, I'd almost have Spurs. And this isn't just reactive from the United game, but possibly is the you know the sixth of the, of, of the six. George, Liverpool's problem at the moment is, is injuries. They're picking up an incredible amount of injuries. Jurgen Klopp's manage, managing it well. He's changed system. He's He's getting young players involved and they still look very, very dangerous. But Jota, the latest one, out of the World Cup as well. He's going to be a huge miss because he was great against Manchester City. Yeah, he will be a massive miss. I mean, they are in a, in a blessed position at the moment to have enough players and enough versatility to just about be able to manage it. I mean, obviously with, with Luis Diaz out as well, that's two of their five players who can play in those forward roles, both out. With Salah coming back into form and Nunes hopefully now fit and, and, and firing and Firmino's been you know quality for the last couple of months. They could be in an okay position. Curtis Jones, obviously back and fit as well which is important he's a player that I, I still think has the potential to be very good um, if he can stay fit and, and get to run in the team he can play in the midfield three or he can play in the in the, in the front three um, we're pretty rare that we see Harvey Elliott playing that forward three but he can do it as well uh, Fabio Carvalho too so they've got options you know I, I do think part of the reason why Liverpool's form early in the season was so poor is because maybe some of those players were playing more minutes than Jurgen Klopp would have liked but yeah I mean they shot will be a miss but it feels like a couple of years ago the, the strength and depth of Liverpool was was a bit thinner and when they lost those key players in, in, in the front line especially that season a couple of years ago two seasons ago it really punished them whereas now it does feel like they have more options and, and more quality to bring in Yeah, Nottingham Forest are now winless in nine Steve taken three points from 27 available albeit drawn two of the last three against Aston Villa and Brighton how safe is Steve Cooper I don't think that new contract will have eased his worries I think we're all I'd like to know what was in that in that contract uh, to be honest with you, Dan. Listen, Forrester, still very warm favourites to go down at one to three. You mentioned the couple of draws there. There was a there was a missed penalty as well at Molyneux, wasn't there, by uh, by Brennan Johnson. Not happening for him this season. He was great last season. Clearly, the, you know, the step up. Forrest have tightened up at the back a little bit, haven't they? They only had, uh, they had like three shots, I think, at, at Brighton, rather disappointingly. Brighton had a hell of a lot more. They've certainly put more bodies in midfield, the likes of Johnson, um, Gibbs White, Lingard as well. So there's a bit of, um, there's some legs in there. I think if you're Forest, I think you'd be hierarchy. Maybe do you get to the World Cup and just and, and and just see where you are? I think you've got Arsenal away next. Then I think they've got some winnable games against the likes of Brentford and Palace. But clearly, if you keep losing football games, and if, regardless of the new contract signed, you're going to be bang under pressure. I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned those three players there: Johnson, Lingard, and Gibbs White. I th- I th- there's an element of them really need. Well, they, well they, they just have to step up here. I mean, Lingard no goals, no assists. Gibbs White's got two assists. Johnson's got two goals, but that's so that's two goals, two assists combined in in, in 30 appearances combined. It's it's just. It's, it's clearly not enough. Um, you know, after that 4 0 defeat at Leicester, as Steve says, he's trying to make them hard to beat. He's trying to bore everyone to death, I think. But they're not adept at doing that and they're not adept at blowing teams away. So it's really, really hard to see 
where victories start to come from for Forest? In the front three's defence, I feel like because there's so many of them now to choose from and I don't think anyone's getting the chance to get any rhythm in that Forest front three. I feel like Brennan Johnson's the only one that's playing pretty much every single week. I just think it's very difficult to get productivity when you're in and out of the team and you're playing with different people everywhere. So yeah, Forest, big, big problems. Next up for us is Tottenham Hotspur against Newcastle, which is Sunday at 4.30. Tim, I wanted to ask you, there was a lot of clamour for Spurs to change formation and play that three in midfield and Conte's hand was pretty much forced against Manchester United with the injuries to the forward players. Now, in the summer, a lot of Spurs fans, they were pining for a, a central creative player and I, I couldn't understand it, but I've got to say, after watching them in recent weeks, I get it now. Yeah, that clamour for 3-5-2 was led by the Athletic, actually. Um, so you've got you've got me to thank for their performance in midweek, which was which was awful. You know, you know they put out this, this beefed-up midfield with Bissouma, Hoiberg and Bentancourt and it was designed... All too to, samey, to, they're all too similar. They, they, are, they are samey, but, you know, we're talking about in an attacking sense there. But in a defensive sense, that, that they should have been, they should have been more solid. But United overran them, to be honest. And with Son and Kane centrally up front as part of that two, you know there was, there was space on the on the wings for Dallow and Shaw to exploit, which they did really easily. And Conte had no answer really. And Spurs had no answer. T- tactically, there were issues there, but they just gave the ball away again and again and again. They were all making mistakes. Bentancourt was arguing with Conte after he was misplacing pass after pass. It, it, it wasn't good and it's not the first time that's happened to them in a big game this season. We remember the probably the Chelsea game early on where they were they were battered for about an hour but somehow escaped with that crazy draw with you know with handshakes with Tuchel and Conte and all, all the fun and games. And then Arsenal that you know it was very similar to the performance at Old Trafford they were, they were completely demolished. They missed they're really missing you mentioned about creativity they're really really missing Kulisevsky who's got a hamstring injury and might not be back before the World Cup because they don't want to risk him um, and he doesn't want to be risked. It's a bit of a delicate one. They're also missing Richarlison but it's only two players, Dan. Two 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 players out, and 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 the, and the squad is so um is so small to the extent that Conte didn't make a single sub until the eighty second minute at the weekend. When as as you know, having watched it, the game was completely done at that point, and he made five subs just just for the sake of of of, of freshening a few players. So squad depth's a massive issue, and then he had a bit of a moan about the players' mentality um after the game, which isn't good because mentality isn't the kind of thing that you can switch on and off. Um, and he's talking about the mentality of his players and the club. You know. This guy's, a, this guy's a serial, serial winner and Spurs are not serial winners. Um, yes, they've got some players in the squad who have been, but trying to change that around is is not going to be quick. And I just wonder, you know, does he, is he here for the three, four years? That's that's the big question now, if he's going to stay and make this a real long-term project and make the, implement the changes that Spurs need to do to actually become a team and a club that can, that can fight for honours and win honours. Yeah, it always feels on the edge, Conte, Steve. But Spurs are sitting third, only two defeats so far this season. We were all talking, we've, we've all just called them basically to, to come out of the top four. But on the face of it, things aren't that bad. No, they're not. They're, and they're still odds on to finish in the top four, Dan. So, yeah, I, I think looking at their data from a from a shot point of view, from they've conceded 174 shots, which is incredible. Only 45 of those have been on target. And their XG per shot conceded is actually the lowest in the Premier League, 0.088. So clearly they, they don't mind giving shots up and that they've been able to generally keep them out. Going forward, I think they're, they're massively over over shooting their XG. Of course, Kane, you'd expect that, but I know there's been... Hoybier has, has scored a few. Dyer likewise from, from distance. So the, they're overshooting their... Uh, and and how f- uh, Tim will know this more than anyone. How far away are we from another Conte meltdown? Death taxes and a Conte meltdown. You know, it's. It, it, I haven't. I haven't seen one yet. I'm waiting, Steve. I'm yeah. waiting. I, I, I want to ask him that question that that caused, causes a blowout. <laughs> it just feels around the corner, you know. And 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 and, and as you superbly put, is he here for the you know the long run? I don't think so. And it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't there at the start of next season. George Newcastle just two points now off the top four, only one defeat and the fewest goals conceded so far this season. Are they ahead of expectations? Are they top four, top six contenders? Yeah, I mean, I think they have to be. You know, when you're looking at their their record so far this season, dominance they're exerting and games um players in form you know we've spoken about it a lot on this show Eddie Howe deserves a lot of credit um for the way that he's got this team playing in quite a short space of time it's good to see 
Bruno Guimaraes kind of having the, the handbrake let off him now, uh, playing further forward, really impacting games. Um, Callum Wilson's leading the line very well. Almiron scoring worldies every week. I mean, it's what's not not what's not to like in terms of what they're doing right now. I mean, I, I don't think they probably will finish in the, in the in the in the top six, but in terms of whether they're contenders, I mean, they certainly look like the best of the rest. And um, and there's no reason why they can't you know, keep pace with them in, in case another team slips up. It'll be interesting to see what they do in January. They've had their their own injury issues as well, which don't really seem to have impacted them. It does feel like the the project um irrespective of what you make of its morality has made as good a start as anyone could have anticipated uh without signing Neymar and Mbappe <laughs> that is I a mean, joke Al- Almiron is the prime example of what Eddie Howe has gone in and done at Newcastle and what a good coach he is Tim he's a different player revitalised confident he always had a smile on his face to be fair to him but you know confidence now impact on games productivity all those things that that weren't there before Eddie Howe was coaxed out of him. Yeah, definitely. Um, Eddie Howe is un- underrated as a coach by by far too many people, in my opinion. Yeah, Almiron. I think it's just massive credit to him as a player. I think we always saw that in him that he obviously had that that hunger, that desire, and that work ethic to improve on his game. You could see it. Very likable lad, like you say. Dan is always smiling. And yeah, it's, it's it's taken a while, but he's but he's reaping the rewards now. And I think I think a lot of people, not just Newcastle fans, are, are, are really really pleased to to see him and the success he's having. You're listening to the weekend preview here on the Athletic Football Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Right, then it's over to the miserable Midlands Wolves against Leicester. Midlands football at the moment, what on earth is going on? We touched on it earlier, George. Wolves' managerial search. Mick Bale is going to stay at QPR and now they're, they're staying as is. They're, they're not going to get hire a permanent manager until after the World Cup. Yeah, it's a total mess, to be honest. If I was a Wolves fan, I'd be absolutely livid. I think yeah, Tim is nodding his head as I'm saying it. Uh, yeah, it's just to sack Bruno Large wasn't necessarily in itself a the worst decision but you have to have some kind of a contingency plan a succession plan it stinks to me that when basically when, when Uncle George can't pull a rabbit out of the hat then, then Wolves are suddenly at a complete loss as to what to do in terms of, of running a football club from behind the scenes I, I think we probably all anticipated there would be a, a highly thought of Portuguese manager coming in fairly soon after Bruno Large left that hasn't been the case to, to, to so publicly go after a championship manager and um, be rebuffed as quickly as they were is pretty humiliating and embarrassing and having to kind of go back with your tail between your legs and, and make it look as if um, you know keeping faith in, in Steve Davis is uh, a viable option until after the World Cup when it was clearly not even in anyone's minds as a possibility uh, when the decision was made to, to, to part company with, with him. And then you've also got the, the Rob Edwards factor. You know, I've got a lot of time and respect for Rob, but he is a man who was, it was a, a surprise to see him being linked to the Watford job after a season in League Two. He was then sacked from that job and it looks like he now might be joining in some kind of a, a backroom capacity at, at Wolves as well. I think that's got to be a positive thing, I guess. But similarly, it, it, it's not the kind of, I mean, whether he's the caretaker manager or, or Davis's assistant, um, it's still not shopping in the same kind of markets, in the same ponds as 
where Wolves fans feel they should be, especially when you think of the, the quality players that they've signed over the last couple of years. So it's a total and utter mess. No succession planning, no clear idea of, of, of how they're trying to recruit. And the fact that they, after two weeks, came up with, with their number one target and then straight after he rejects them, it's, it's yeah, let's keep it with the, the caretaker manager. Um, it's, it's a complete mismanagement. Yes, Dave, I was perusing the comments on an athletic article about Wolves before we came on. You've got a big smile on your face. But... Um, just to, you know, they're, they're saying to have not done your due diligence, you know, to sack your manager and then not know who you're going to report and then go for people who don't want to join. That is embarrassing because it's been done publicly as well. It is. It, it's it's difficult getting a manager in. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's so many things, whether people you've spoken to before or they say they're coming and they're not coming, they do U-turns and before it's signed and they're there with a scarf, you know, and, 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 and of the club's colours I'd imagine it's a it, it's a very difficult job to to get it over the line unfortunately for Wolves it's it does look pretty embarrassing I mean Tim will know this it feels a bit like when um, Terry Connor took over at uh, from Mick McCarthy and you know till the end of the season and it, and that didn't work out great great for Wolves then they may need snookers with Steve Davis in charge by the time that new manager comes in I wouldn't be surprised if they went back Steve. for Lopet yeah, if they went back for Lopetegui, possibly. Um, obviously, he's had family issues, but maybe they're buying themselves a little bit of time getting going for Lopetegui. What would that be, Tim, for the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time? I've, I've lost count how many times Wolves have gone for Lopetegui, but maybe that could be an option. Clearly, the ownership want to try and steady the ship as best as they can with some continuity with Steve Davis. I, I watched him at Crew, and I thought he was OK. This is a massive step up for... A, a big club in the Premier League who seem to be heading back to the Championship unless something drastic happens for me. Yeah, Tim, you look sad. I imagine you are I, sad. I, I, am, I am sad, Dan. You've picked up on that. Well done. Yeah, um, yeah. I was uh, I was in I was in the away end actually on um, on on Tuesday night, and it was um, it's a pretty angry place at full time, uh, as you can imagine. Um, Partly it's, so, it's, though, I think. Well, it's just sh- it's shambolic. You know, this is what happens when when you wed yourself to, to an agent in this way, and it's been a hugely successful venture for Wolves. Let's 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 not lie. This is what happens when you know George Mendes just chose the last two managers. Basically, you know, they're both his clients from Gestafu both Portuguese they tried to do a very similar thing with Lopetegui okay that's unfortunate circumstances but when you haven't got those foundations below to conduct a proper manager search then you get these wild inconsistencies with, with the candidates that they were looking at and they've, they've had to be decisive and um, and appoint Steve Davis until until the World Cup or until 2023 as they said in their statement which was which I thought was a little bit odd since there are games um, after Christmas and before 2023 but anyway I, I am massively concerned for Wolves because there are no goal, goal scorers on that pitch I counted up their, the goals of their 11 that, that finished the game at Crystal Palace in midweek and they scored fewer than 10 between them uh, in, in this calendar year so without Jimenez who's in Mexico uh, trying to come back from his current injury which is which is a very confusing situation I think he's trying to get himself ready for the World Cup basically without Kalajic who's out for the season without Neto who's out at the moment there is nobody in there who scored five goals in, in in a major top flight in their careers so who scores five goals is the question Diego Costa it's quite sad really he's basically playing this pantomime role for Wolves where you know Wolves are happy to sort of tweet out the mischief he's getting to um, during games but if you actually watch him sort of lumbering around the pitch it's it's pretty sad to see that he just can't see do the things that he used to be able to do in his career um, other than just elbow people in the guts so I don't I don't I, yeah th- 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 there are massive concerns for Wolves and the fact that they've got Steve Davis in charge as Steve says you know he did a good job at crew many years ago now and he's a lovely guy but what what on earth are people like Costa or or Mateus Nunes 40 million signing thinking where the, the under 18s managers you know got the gig by default for a few weeks I haven't seen any improvements since he really took over and I, that's why I'm sad dad that's why I'm sad I mean you've made me feel better about my football team which is nice of you Tim <laughs> and, <laughs> so and me fun. Tim you've made me feel <laughs> so, better as well and that takes some doing because we yeah, are that's what I'm here for guys hope you're okay as well George but George it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit Wolf spent the fifth most in the Premier League this summer they spent over £120 million and they're worse than they were last season yeah I mean, and I think that's the frustration with a lot of Wolves fans and you know let's remember the reason why Bruno Large was sacked was because he wasn't getting uh, enough out of this squad of players um, I think in a similar way to, to the Villa situation that there's no denying that the squad is eminently talented enough to, to get, out, get out of this mess uh, I think a decent coach would come in and improve them basically immediately but um, when you have 
as Steve says, a former crew manager and possibly a former Forest Green manager um, assisting him. And, you know, I'm, I'm someone who would always try and stick up for um, League One and League Two managers generally. But but that is not necessarily the dream team that you want to be getting the most out of Dramatinho and Ruben Neves, uh, I don't think. So that, as I said at the begin- at the top, that's that's the biggest frustration is that you've got a squad more than capable of being so much better than this. So it's a complete failure to be in a situation where you sack a manager and have no means of, of replacing that that manager with someone who can reflect the quality of the, of the team that you've that you've built if, yeah but if, also if also was... also George just to say you talk about sack, sacking managers the one they sacked 17 months ago you know they, 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 they've, they've had discussions about bringing him back I mean I know, it's just I know. absolutely it's crazy it's just ridiculous but, that, but that's why you know as you mentioned there it's very dangerous to be so aligned with an agent where if that agent can't provide for you there is seemingly no infrastructure in place in order to go out and make good footballing decisions um, without the help of, of an agent. And that is that is no way to run a football club. It should all be done in-house. Uh, and, you know, you might have a good relationship with an agent who can um, who can help you. And, and obviously, as Tim says, you know, attracting Ruben Neves to a championship club age 21 or 20 or whatever he was, was was, was pretty rev- rev- revolutionary in terms of, of where Wolves are and where, where Wolves were at that time. But um, but yeah, it's, it's it's come back to bite them and, um, and they need to find a way to, to find that quality needed in the dugout because... Um, otherwise, it's going to continue to get worse. I mean, Steve, it's fair to say that at least one Midlands team is probably going to get relegated this season. I'm, I'm being kind saying Ooh. at least one, to, to be three. honest. All three yeah, of us could, could go, couldn't we? It literally could be three <laughs> Midlands teams that get releg- relegated. We've spoken on this podcast many times about the state of Midlands football at the moment. But even Le- Leicester didn't do really any business in, in the summer. But are they too good to go down with the squad they've got? Should they be doing a lot better with some of the players they've got? Oh yes, definitely. I, w- I, w- I would I would say so. I thought that'd be more more, more top half than challenging challenging below uh, in the bottom half. I mean, fortunately, I mean Leeds were quite bad second half yesterday, weren't they? Um, and I know they conceded two goals earlier than that. It was I mean, the reaction of the Leeds fans last night. You know, Leeds could be another club who could be a losing ma- manager soon. But but Brendan Rodgers is still there, delighted with that win for them last season off the bottom of the Premier League now I think they are and this will be a very winnable game for them I would have thought I remember going to this fixture in 2003 Tim I think oh, what Le- game? Leicester went three up and I was I was in the Wolves end and I was giving it the fist pumps and all this you know really enjoying it with my fake hair and moustache everything like that on and Wolves won 4-3 I went home absolutely <laughs> gutted but I remember that game I don't think this game's going to be anything like that at the weekend but as a neutral I am neutral Tim on I hope it is an absolute cracker. Can you can you bet on there not being a shot shot on target in a football match, Steve? Is that is that something you can do? Well, we could do low on shots. Yeah, we would always yeah. sort someone out for you, Dan, especially. Okay. Yeah, as you're going to be the thank next you. Villa manager. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Right, so those are our matches to keep an eye on this weekend with the full schedule looking like this. As we've mentioned, the early kickoff sees Liverpool travel to Nottingham Forest for a 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. At 3pm, Everton take on Crystal Palace and Manchester City welcome Brighton to the Etihad. The final game of the day on Saturday is that meeting between Chelsea and Manchester United at Stamford Bridge. And on to Sunday, there's four 2pm kickoffs with Wolves taking on Leicester, Aston Villa against Brentford, Arsenal travel to Southampton and Leeds welcome Fulham to Ellen. Road and at 4.30 it's Spurs v Newcastle with Monday night seeing West Ham play Bournemouth. Before we go it's time for the six score challenge so Steve it's over to you. Okay guys it's the six scores challenge the million pound so nearly went in midweek. Oh Dan put in our our scores for once did he? That's good. Yeah oh yeah yeah I know yeah I was nearly outside his door with that floppy check yeah, and uh, <laughs> let's have a look at this week's then. We know the rules by now. You get three correct, it's a fiver. You get uh, four correct, it's 50 quid. Five correct, a thousand. And it's a boosted million pound for a single winner. So it's free to play. So guys, I'm going to ask you two games each. Uh, who shall I go with? Dan, Everton Palace. I will say 1-1. Chelsea, Manchester United. 2-1 to Manchester United. Georgie, Leeds, Fulham. Ooh, Interesting. One all. Southampton Arsenal. Nil two. Okay, Tim, I've saved the best till last. Wolves versus Leicester. Let's see how stay. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, nil two. Ooh, like it. And Spurs Newcastle. Spurs Newcastle. Uh Spurs Newcastle two 0 Spurs. Okay, guys, brilliant stuff. Thank you. Lovely. Yeah, not sure about not sure about some of those predictions, but we'll see how we get on. So that's it from us here at the weekend preview. Mark Chapman will be back on Monday with reaction to the weekend's big stories and more. Enjoy all the football at the weekend, and thanks ever so much for listening. This 
The Athletic.